Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Elise Parsley, who's making her debut as a children's book author and illustrator with If You Ever Want to Bring an Alligator to School, Don't. It's being published in July by Little Brown, which is sponsoring this podcast. In the book, a girl named Magnolia explains why it's not really worth bringing an alligator to school for show and tell. If you do, you're probably going to get sent to the principal's office at some point between an alligator's tendency to make origami paper airplanes and potentially snack on your classmates before lunch. But luckily for Magnolia, she knows a lot about alligators, including what they're scared of. Elise, thank you for speaking with me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, and congrats on uh, your first book. I, I know, uh, you know you sold this story in, I believe, a three-book deal back at the end of uh, 2013. Uh, is it strange for the book to actually almost be here? Yes, it's super weird. I actually have it like on my bookshelf in with all these other books that I've loved for many years. And some of them are very new and I've loved for only months. But it's very strange to see it physically on a bookshelf with other books. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> now, you know, speaking of that original um, three-book deal, uh, you know, PW actually ran a story about it back then. Uh, it, you basically went from querying your agent, Stephen Malk, to getting a book deal for this book in, in the span of just a few days. Is that still a little shocking to you, even you know, sometime later? <laughs> yeah, it is. I think, you know, if I don't think about it, it seems very, like, it, you know, it's kind of become normal in my brain. But if I stop and actually think about it for very long, it doesn't make sense again. I'm like, how did that work? Wait, is this that Stephen Malkin? Is this that little brown? And so, yeah, as long as I don't think about it, it seems totally normal. But if I give it some thought, I realize again that I'm, I'm way out of my league. This should not be happening. But <laughs> But I'm thankful that it is. It's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, what uh, what did your family and friends uh, have to say when that was all unfolding? Well, I think my family especially was, you know, they've been rooting for me this whole time. And um, I think some of my friends knew that I was pursuing this. That I was, you know, trying to trying to break into children's books. But I, I've always had another job on the side. And so I think some people actually didn't even know that I was writing books until this happened. But my family had known and they were just cheering me on the whole time. And they were so excited. And my grandma wondered, like, who's Little Brown? What else have they done? It was fun to tell her, like, well, the grandma, they did like Little Women. And she was like, okay. And I said, and I think they did they did the Twilight books. Have you heard of the Twilight <laughs> books? And she goes, no, but I'm writing it down. I'm going to get them at the library. So Stephanie Meyer has to thank you for a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> one one so, more fan. That's right. Well, it was, it, was, it was fun to explain, you know, this is a real publisher and, um, and they do other books and I get to be in their list. So. And do you remember, what, what, like, when was it that you sort of started thinking, oh, I, I think I really do want to pursue this as a career? You know, I went into college, actually, I had no art background at all before college, other than just, you know, the casual drawing that everybody does. Um, But my first real art classes were in college, uh, and I attended Minnesota State University in Moorhead, kind of with the thought that, like, I'll just get started here, and then if I'm any good, I can maybe transfer to, to like, a bigger art college later. Um, But they had such a strong art program there that I just, I stayed there, and I loved it, and my teachers... um, I kind of mentioned early on, I'd like to do books in the end. I'd really like to do books for children. Uh, so they always encouraged me when I would be doing, you know, all sorts of projects to kind of keep that in mind and kind of try to make your make my work narrative um, and keep, a, you know, a young audience in mind as much as possible. And they really encouraged me to do that. And so I also 
studied, so I studied art. I pretty much learned how to draw <laughs> from mm. scratch in college. And then I also was able to get a, a writing minor, a creative writing minor, so that I could, I had, I think the idea of writing a book was much further in my mind. And I didn't really see that as a real possibility, but I thought, well, I'll at least take some classes and at least, you know, improve my writing, which is always helpful in life. And then we'll see if it ever comes in handy for writing books or not. So that, that was my goal going into college and I'm excited. It actually is happening. It's come to fruition. Mm-hmm. So, And, you know, even though the sale and, and getting signed up by, by Steve Malk happened quickly, you know, I also got the sense that you weren't just querying him out of the blue, you know, the day after graduation or something. It sounded like you, you really spent a lot of time sort of building your portfolio and, and researching uh, the industry. Uh, do you feel like, you know, those things were just necessary parts of, you know, even getting yourself to a place where a deal like this could even happen? Yes. Oh, yes. I definitely, I think a couple of people have been under the impression that Stephen Malk was the first person I ever queried, and that's totally not true. I definitely have several embarrassing queries that were sent out earlier and, you know, had many, many, many failures along the way uh, for the, the two and a half years following college. And I, I'm really glad that I, I didn't query Stephen Malk earlier because, when I did first learn about Writer's House and, and see his clients in particular, I actually just, I saw his list of clients and I thought, wow, so that guy seems like he's got a full list and he probably won't be taking anyone. And so I didn't even really research him at all because his list looked amazing and it looked very extensive. So I queried other people in the meantime. And then later I ended up coming back and thinking, you know, I've, I think I've improved my stuff and I should at least give it a try before moving on. So, um, yeah, I decided to go for it. I don't really know where I got the guts to do it, but I did. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, is it right that this story kind of basically began as a sort of sketch that you put together just for your portfolio? Yeah, yep. I was going to go to my first SCBWI conference in Minnesota, and I, I just knew looking at my my portfolio, I had done a bunch of research online and I'd heard it's good to show varying ages. It's good to show animals and people. It's good to show, you know, all these things. And I didn't really have any scenes that included like variety of age groups. And I also didn't have very many scenes that included like people and animals together. And so I thought I would just try to make that happen in one image. And um, so I kind of whipped together this image of this alligator and Um, the teacher looking at him, you know, glaring at him with this airplane and stuck in her hair and alligators blaming Magnolia and she's looking shocked. Um, So yeah, I did that just to kind of like fill out my portfolio and then I didn't even write the story. didn't even start writing the story probably for three more months and yeah, kind of thought I should explain why this alligator is in school in the first place and, Mm -hmm. and give him, you know, give him some logic. Why is he here? What is going on? And um, so I got to explore that that spring and it was super fun. Hmm. And so uh, is the book that uh, the readers are going to see in July, how similar is that to where the project started when, you know, Stephen first sent it out and that sort of thing? Were there a lot of big changes along the way or did it stay sort of fairly true to what your original sort of conception was? It actually stayed really true to what the original dummy was. I mean, um, there were some changes, I think, that Super glad that I was able to make with, I have had two different editors that I've got to work with at Little Brown so far, and um, they both have made really great suggestions for change. But in general, it looks a lot like the original Dummy, which Mm -hmm. surprised me. I really didn't expect that. I expected to do a lot of editing, and I like editing. I actually think I'm a better rewriter than I am a writer. And so I was, you know, all geared up to do that, and then we didn't do a whole lot. So, And uh, 
I think you originally sold the book to uh, to Connie Sue at Little Brown, but she's of course moved since then. Who are you uh, working with now over there? I'm with Andrea Spooner. She's my new my new editor there. So uh, she's and she's been great. She has so much experience, and I have zero experience. And so it's just been really wonderful to work with someone who's been doing this for so long and learn, learn from her. And she has so many other projects with so many um, really successful illustrators and authors. I write down like whenever we have a conversation, I'm always taking notes <laughs> because I just learned so much new stuff. There's so many, uh, you know, great details. I feel like of, of school day life in the book. I, I think I pretty much suppressed all memories of students getting their names written on the board with check marks next to them. And then it just came <laughs> flooding back. Um, were you, were you someone who was getting in trouble or are you just sort of pulling on you know past memories of elementary school life that sort of thing no I would definitely say I was like a rule follower mm. and I and I still am I definitely am still like try to stick to the rules pretty well and in school I was I was super quiet also when I was at this age um you know this first grade or so age that Magnolia is so I was really quiet and really a good I think well-behaved kid and I only got my name on the board one time and that day is like burned in my memory um and that's I think you know I do I feel like I've worked through that now that I've written this book, but it was, yeah, it was, it was really traumatic. And that same day I got a check, like I'd never had any, any behavior, anything. And I got my name on the board and a check in the same day. And it was, oh, it was (laughs) traumatic. And so, but I was not near as cool as Magnolia is in this book. She's way cooler than I ever was. I kind of would have wanted to be her friend, I think, but. I never would have done what she does. Mm-hmm. Are there any um, specific images or moments in the book that you're just really pleased with how the way they turned out? Um, you know, I I think one of my favorite images is probably the lunchroom scene where you you just see, you know, at first you just see all these kids sitting at their table looking just aghast at something and you look across the spread and the alligator is devouring Magnolia's food. And I just, I don't know. I just made me laugh because I do think of lunchtime as being like, you know, one of the least structured times of the day where you kind of are allowed to be with your friends and do whatever. And there's always like stuff that comes up at lunch. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, that picture kind of cracks me up. There's also something very funny about, uh, you know, an alligator who a couple pages ago was willing to maybe eat one of Magnolia's classmates, but he actually is not going to eat the crusts on the sandwich. Right. <laughs> <laughs> some things, exactly. you know, yeah. For this book, uh, it's digital media that you're using. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep, it's drawn digitally from start to finish, and, and I, I do the painting underneath the drawing and kind of build it up just like you would regular paint. And have you been uh, exploring other media as well, either for future books or for um, your own interest? You know, I, I actually, I feel like I'm exploring digital media. Like, I feel like this is still very new to me. When I, all through college, I did um, a lot more watercolor and charcoal and pencil. And then I actually took one little summer class, like a one credit class of digital painting. And that's where I just really fell in love with it. And so since graduating, I feel like I've been constantly experimenting with that. And there's so many, so many different things you can do digitally that I don't know that I'll ever reach the end of exploring it. But yeah, I do still try to do keep like my traditional media on hand. I still do some watercoloring and just regular old drawing on real paper um, too. But I'm I'm really enjoying that there's the digital world right now because it is so, there's so many opportunities to try so many things in a short amount of time. And I love that. Hmm. And, you know, thinking about the, uh, the language of the book, is that something that also stayed fairly consistent in terms of it sort of being addressed to readers in, in this sort of cautionary tale kind of way where, you know, 
Magnolia's almost warning readers, like, don't do what I did. Um, is that, is that, that voice and that, that sort of um, something that was present from the beginning as well? Mm-hmm. Yes, that was, that was how the, the story took off. Just, mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah, I had been experimenting with different like, points of view and different ways to, to you know, communicate what was going on. And for a while, there was a version where it was just one long apology letter to her teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like that voice, like hearing directly from this character was the most compelling. Um, so I wanted to keep pursuing that. And actually, the text is probably the least changed. I mean, I think there were a few more changes done to the images between the dummy and the finished um, book, but I think that the text hardly changed at all. I just got a kick out of little, like little kids in general, like will tell you information without always telling you how they got the information. Like I was a piano teacher for eight years and I would love sitting down, you know, to a lesson and a kid would tell me this news or information he'd received, but he would never actually say like, I I learned this because I myself did it. Like he would kind of pass it off as, you know, in case you didn't know, this is some information. And that's, that cracks me up how kids don't always admit to, to doing anything wrong. And so I wanted, I really enjoyed that part of writing this is that Magnolia never says she did it, but she just wants you to know if, you know, if you were thinking about it, that it might not be a good idea. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, what do you have planned next? Are you, are you currently working on, uh, you know, some of the other picture books that Little Brown had signed up? I just finished the final art for the second Magnolia book, which will come out next spring. And that one, it's called, If You Ever Want to Bring a Piano to the Beach, Don't. And so we learn another great life lesson from Magnolia. <laughs> Drawing a little um, bit on your own uh, piano teacher background, maybe? A, a little. Not really. Okay. I, yeah, I mean, I do like pianos, but I just mostly, I thought, like, my goodness, a piano is a piece of furniture, like, <laughs> unlike any other kind of instrument. And so, yeah, it had initially started out where she was dragging a few little toys to the beach, like too many to hold in her hands. And after a while, I was like, that's pathetic. Like, Magnolia would not go halfway like that. She would go all in. So she was, yeah, she's dragging a piano to the beach with her. And that's, yeah, that's been fun to do. I got to paint that all winter long while it was, you know, I'm here in Fargo, which is known for winter. And it was a good escape to draw some some waves and beach <laughs> during that. So there will be a few Magnolia books, hopefully. And then I'm also illustrating a book written by Mac Barnett. I'm working on that right now. Um, and that won't come out till. I think fall of 2016 mm-hmm. and that's been a lot of fun too. So excellent. And without, you know, saying too much about what that book may or may not be about, how, how are you enjoying the experience of being able to approach uh, somebody else's story in their words and, and, you know, illustrate that versus something that you sort of built yourself uh, entirely? You know, I, I, I am enjoying it and it's been a good challenge for me because it's, you know, I'm not, it's not all coming out of my brain. Only part of it is coming out of my brain. And it's been fun to have, have some, somebody else's work, especially someone as creative as Mac Barnett. It's been fun to have his work to kind of springboard from. Uh, and, you know, he really sets up the illustrator to, to have a lot of fun. And, um, you know, sometimes I forget which things in this book were my ideas and which ones, you know, were just hinted at by the text. Uh, so it's been, it's been fun to work on that and, and very challenging. And uh, it's a different, I think it's a different kind of pressure, like knowing that someone else's career is like tied into this book also. Not that I think I will single-handedly bring down Mac Barnett's career, <laughs> but I don't know. It is a little different than knowing like, oh, this is just my book. My name's on it. I have mm-hmm. to share this one. So it's been a good challenge though. It's been really exciting. Great. And uh, any uh, big plans uh, for summer when, when this book finally hits uh, bookstores? 
you know, I think we're still putting some of that together. I I know like my hometown in South Dakota is really pumped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm hoping to I'm hoping to do some things in the the Twin Cities. I, I was, that's where I was living when the book deal actually happened, and and currently I'm living right by Fargo Moorhead and hoping to do some events here. Um, and there aren't a lot of authors that come, as you can imagine. There aren't a whole lot of authors that come through town and through Fargo or through the whole state of South Dakota. So I'm excited to to do some um, events in places where they don't always get events. Uh, and I think there's also, uh, I'm doing an event in Chicago, uh, close to when the book comes out right after, I think. And then I get to go to the, the national book festival this year in Washington, DC, which I'm super excited about. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you again for speaking with me and, uh, congrats on the book. Thank you. Thank you so much. Once again, I've been speaking with Elise Parsley, whose first picture book, If You Ever Want to Bring an Alligator to School, Don't, is out in July from Little Brown. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast. Cast.